0: Blog Talk Radio
1: The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production Coming
0: up third
1: In to the official podcast of the sport of harness racing post time with Mike and Mike, with your hosts Mike Carter, number 1000 for the third time, Aaron
2: Merriman wins,
1: and Mike Bozich. Down
2: to the fetish, shirt and a game winning the Betsy Ross over Caviar Alley at Apple Bottom G.
3: Week it has been for the sport of harness racing as the entire industry deals with coronavirus COVID nineteen is upon us. Unfortunately, you've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich and working from remote areas. Uh, we are abiding by the uh, social distancing rule, Mike, and that's been a new kind of term that we've had to learn over the past week and a half.
1: Where Where do we even start? I I don't even know where we start on this thing. I mean, this is – first of all, condolences uh, to the Fusco family. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. You know, we talk about this hitting close to home, and and listen, you know, I mean, we've had uh, not so much viruses, but, I mean, tragedies, things that have happened before in this country that have affected both me and you personally – Uh, and, but I don't ever recall anything like this. I I don't think anybody has seen anything like this. And, and for those of you that don't know, of course, Carmine Fusco passed away yesterday. Um, saw all the condolences on Facebook, such a sad situation. Uh, a sister of his passed away. I, I believe there's five family members that were in the hospital because of this virus. And just getting the word, uh, that the mother uh, has passed yep. away. So, three of the five uh, uh, Fusco family members that are in the hospital have passed due to this virus and haven't really heard an update on Vinny, uh, who, of course, is a well known trainer and still in the hospital battling as well.
3: Yeah, we've had a lot of loss in the harness racing industry. Of course, John Brennan, uh, we'd be remiss uh-huh. if we, don't, we didn't mention him uh, with the first fatality in New Jersey. and um, obviously with a lot of racetracks shutting down with things kind of coming to a screeching halt, um, you know, things are having to change and that's pretty much what this, uh, what this program is about, uh, this week. Uh, thanks so much for rejoining us, uh, obviously. Uh, canceling our show last week uh, while we tried to figure everything out that was going on uh, in the sport of harness racing. And, you know, from cancellation to the virus, to John Brennan's death, uh, we had too much going on. Uh, So Uh we felt like the best thing to do last week was to go ahead and just uh, go ahead and scrap the show for last week. Uh, We do want to let everybody know there are five racetracks in the U S that are currently racing. Um, And the full total is eight, if you include the Canadian tracks currently still racing, Cal Expo, Miami Valley, Northfield Park, uh, Rosecroft Raceway, and Saratoga Harness, all still racing in the U.S. Uh, uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Rideau, Carlton, and Western Fair continue up in Canada. Uh, It was announced yesterday that Flamborough Downs would cancel uh, all racing operations along with Fraser Downs. So uh, things coming to a screeching halt here, Mike, and I'm um, kind of interested to see uh, how much longer uh, that some of these tracks can keep rolling.
1: Yeah, and, and that's really going to depend on the life of this virus and how quickly we can get, uh, you know, a hold of it and how quickly we can get people tested and, and people treated. Uh, you know, I mean, there is some good news out there, I guess. Uh, what was it yesterday? The day before yesterday, a, a trial vaccine was put into play um, in Washington. Um, And some more good news. Uh, We just talked about this before we got on the air, Mike, that uh, China, where this whole thing originated, seems to have a handle on it. Now, there were zero new cases yesterday, five the day before, and we're talking about uh, ground zero in in Wuhan, where this where this thing started. So once again, excuse me, we talked about the shelf life (laughs) for this, Mike, Uh, two months. It seems like. It's it's a kind and you, you give the date of the first uh coronavirus, what was it? It, it was mid-December? Yeah,
3: mid-December. Okay. mid December? Yeah, mid
1: December. Okay. Mid January, mid February, okay, so about two and a half months. Really two months to get a good handle on it. We are gosh, what are we into the second week? Yep. Right now. I mean of what we know of. The of yep. You know, so uh, and it seems like I know with my son's school, they're doing things two weeks at a time. Um, I know with Harris, Philadelphia, I can speak for that. They're doing things two weeks at a time. So, so it seems uh, it seems like everybody's kind of taking this thing on a, on a biweekly basis. Uh, so, you know, at the end of that two weeks, a reevaluation period, we'll see, you know, if the cases start to slow personally, I'm going to say they're not because we as a country kind of got behind in testing and 86% like this is a really uh, interesting number 86% of the people that actually have the virus never get symptomatic now right. you think okay well that's good right because you don't get sick uh, a good majority of people or you don't. you're sick but you're not symptomatic you don't show no symptoms and it comes and goes without you even knowing about it However, when it comes to spreading, that's not a good thing no not at
3: all and that's that's the hard part is you don't know uh you don't know what uh who's got it, who the carriers are, any of that and uh you know that that's what's made this thing so difficult um, you know we all just left the Dan Patch awards uh towards the end of February, and you just don't know you know you could have been a carrier and just don't know it and that's right. uh that that's the uh, that's the struggle part of it. But uh, anyways, so we've got uh, we've got the five tracks racing, of course, Pompadour Park last night. Um, you know, through the towel in, and hats uh, off to those guys out there, uh, Mike. They were one of the last harness tracks to still have their grandstand open.
1: Yeah, and you know, in kudos, <clears throat> really, it, this is it, it's a it, it's so tough to handle. I mean, because you can see both ends of of the argument. I've always been a person that has been a very big advocate of the show must go on. I've always been a big advocate of that. However, you know, I mean, there's just certain situations, certain circumstances where you just have to look out for people's lives. So, you know, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's such, it's such a, it's a terrible situation. Um, obviously, if you've been following the news, and I think, I mean, what else is there to do, right? Uh, everybody's kind of been following <laughs> the news. Everybody's been kind of watching, you know, uh, whether you're a CNN, whether you're Fox News, I mean, obviously, depending on your political affiliation. Um, however, uh, it's good to see your politicians kind of coming together, passing different relief bills. Um, I know we talked uh, about, you know, there's going to be uh, some checks in the mail to pretty much every taxpaying citizen. So to- A very good thing. Um, You know, there's going to be relief for small businesses. Uh, A lot of industries are feeling this. I mean, you know, airlines, and uh, listen, I mean, a lot of people aren't fans of airlines. You see on Facebook every day somebody complaining about a a flight being delayed or whatever, but you know what? It's a part of life that we can't live without. You know, people have to fly. Um, But, you know, small businesses are really taking a hit. And um, um, you know, I mean, with restaurants closing down, with bars closing down, um, and a lot of—I uh, know in the Maryland and Delaware area, a lot of them have been uh, regulate, relegated to uh, takeout only. You know, so yep. once again, if you got a couple extra bucks laying around, try to support your local small businesses because they're the ones that are really, really sitting on this.
3: And and for all of us, uh, stay home if you're sick stay home. Do not go out. Um, uh, you know, if you're not feeling good for whatever reason, um, and you think you might have this thing, just, just stay home. I mean, you saw an article last week about Jason Bartlett self-quarantining. He had no symptoms. Mm. You know, his wife had to bring food to the door. Uh, if you're sick, stay home and, uh, you know, let's try to, uh, let's try to attack this thing so we can get back to, uh, a little sense of normal, a little bit, a little bit of racing, and uh, you know, get back to our regular, uh, regular scheduled lives. All
1: right. So this is a very important show we got. We're going to get the ball rolling. Trainer Ron Burke's going to join us, plus uh, Barry Carter, <clears throat> who's a well-known veterinarian in the sport of harness racing. We're going to talk to him, as well as the executive director of the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association, Renee Mancino. We're going to get kind of an across-the-board uh, sneak peek of how different aspects of the industry are handling the coronavirus. Ron Burke is in the on-deck circle. We've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA. Back in just a moment.
0: Post Time, gates moving. They're off and it is on.
4: Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org.
1: Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit Winner'sCircleRacing.net. That's Racing.net. Here comes the charging moa, charging hard, at on the
0: 6 to one
3: We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're joined now by trainer Ron Burke. Uh, Ron, obviously lots going on uh, over the past couple of weeks, and, uh, you know, with this coronavirus uh, that's been kind of affecting the sport, uh, it's kind of maybe had to change your plans a little bit. I know you had two-year-olds in Florida and three-year-olds up at the Meadows. How is this affecting you guys?
2: I mean it's a big problem for us right now. We had probably thirty three year olds ready to qualify. You know, and um stake races are, you know, getting we're scheduled to start in April, so it's gonna be an issue. But um, you know, there's you know, way bigger issues for, you know, the country to handle right now than, you know, my problem. So now we're you know, in a holding pattern.
1: Ron, Mike Bozich here, and that was uh, pretty much where I'm going to go with my next question. Obviously, everybody's ca- kind of taking different kind of precautions, handling this virus differently. What are some of the things that uh, you guys are doing? And I know you you want a pretty expansive operation. What are some of the policies that you've kind of put in place to uh, for you guys to try to cope with this thing?
2: I mean, what we're trying to do is not mingle the barns as much as we usually do. Uh, we're not sending the people... To help the other barns, you know, every barn is pretty much an island on itself now, you know, and so that, like, they can try to make, you know, keep their group healthy and keep, you know, not spread, you know, from Jersey, which looks, you know, right now they have a bigger problem, especially in the harness racing world than we do in, you know, Pennsylvania, you know, in Washington County, we only have two confirmed cases, so... You know, we're not going to try to, you know, bring Jersey people to here and, you know, bring it with us. Don't, you know, we don't want to be part of the problem. We hope, you know, to be more part of the solution.
3: Now, Ronnie, obviously, uh, lots going on. You said there's only two cases in uh, Washington. And, you know, one thing that we've heard a lot about is um, how will people care for their horses if there is a lockdown situation? Do you guys have some sort of an emergency plan in case that kind of comes into effect?
2: Yeah, pretty much. It'll be family members here, you know, and then it'll go, you know, the tr- the trainers, a couple there. You know, you're going to have to have somebody to go and, you know, that can at least feed them and, you know, at least keep their stalls decently clean and make sure that they're all right. I, I you know, I pray that it doesn't get to that, but, you know, they're going to have to, people understand that, you know, these horses can't feed themselves. They can't give themselves water and they can't take care of themselves. So, you know, and as much as I'd like this, I'll just go sit home and sit in our house, I think, you know, for a month it would probably be the best thing. You know, it's not realistic. With the horses, they need the you know, they need care and they're you know, we're their caregivers and we have to make sure everything stays good for them guys too.
1: Visiting the trainer Ron Burke and uh, yeah Ron that's uh, you know that's the thing about being in the horse business virus no virus no matter what happens the world can explode and you guys will still be there at the barn at five in the morning but um, as far as uh, a treatment and care for the horses um, and and everything from what I have read. Uh, the virus is not something that can spread from, you know, for a, it can't be something that's a multi-species type thing. I mean, I, from everything I've read, it can't spread from humans to horses. But that being said, are you guys doing anything different in the care of the horses? And, and have you kind of consulted your vets about maybe uh, the coronavirus and how it can affect the horses?
2: No, pretty much I've tried to read everything I can about it. And I've got a good you know grasp as 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 many lame man probably can. You know, I'm no doctor, and I don't understand it. But we've got an idea with the horses we have backed off a little bit. Because being honest, I don't know when we're going to race next. I mean, that's the thing is, like, I don't know. And, you know, I want to walk the line to have these horses fresh. But the minute that, you know, they go back racing, it's a financial thing for us, too. We're losing a lot of money every week right now. You know, we can withstand probably better than some stables you know, taking the hit. But the problem is, being the biggest one, there will come a point where we're taking the biggest hit. You know, these horses got to be fed. These employees have to be, you know, they still need their checks. They still have to eat, they, you know. So, you know, I want to pay everybody and keep paying everybody. And I want – so I'm trying to hope that we can hang on until, you know, racing comes back. And then, you know, when racing comes back, I want my horses to be sharp and ready and ready to go. You know, I don't want to have a lag where I'm two weeks behind – I want, you know, day one where the Meadowlands or Meadows or whatever says, come on, you can drop in. I want to be able to, you know,
1: enter online. And that leads me to my next question as far as training methods are concerned. And like like you said, we really don't know how long this thing is going to last. Is this going to affect maybe your training style or training method as far as, especially with the babies?
2: Well, it's funny, you know, the, the thing we've learned is, we don't race every week like we used to. Horses don't get 40, 45 starts. So I've had to learn to prep horses for starts or for races, you know, a month between or six, 45 days between. So that doesn't bother me. I I know when to push and when to back off. And, you know, and I, and I can tell when a horse is getting too tight and too much work. So, that's just from experience, you know. I've been doing this, you know, 30 years now. I, I like, I can read when the horses, you know, we're giving them too much or we're not giving them enough. So I'll just let each horse tell me what they want and how they feel like they want to be trained right now, and we'll go from there, you know. And then, as I said, I'm, I'm going to have them ready, like, you know, the minute they, they say drop in, my whole barn's going to, you know, be ready to go. It's just, you know, I don't know. So, you know, right now we can afford to take good care and we can afford to keep exercising them. So we're going to just keep doing that for right now.
1: All right. Well, Juan, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. On behalf of everybody here at Post Time with Mike and Mike, you know, wishing you guys the best. And uh, stay healthy, my friend.
2: Yeah, no, hopefully everybody is. You know, I, you know, my heart breaks for the Pasco family. You know, uh, those are good people. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine, they can't even grieve. They have so much problems. So, you know, so, you know, I, hopefully everybody in the Harness racing community remembers them and uh, Let's hopefully they can get it turned around and start getting
1: healthy. All right, Ronnie, let's get through this thing, buddy. Okay, see you guys. All right, that was trainer Ron Burke, and, uh, boy, some interesting things there. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, he brings up a great point, Mike, about running a bigger operation. And, uh, you know, this – how long before this really takes effect if this – you know, coronavirus persists, and uh, you know we're, we're out a while. This could this could really have an effect on the on the bigger operation.
3: Correct, and that's the you know that's the biggest fear, you know. And obviously, uh, you know everybody wants to have a horse care plan in case of, you know, you don't ever know when the state of Ohio is going to get shut down or the state of New Jersey is going to completely get shut down. And you know that's what we're going to talk with Barry Carter a little bit here in just a minute uh, about what horsemen can do to kind of prepare for what may or may not be coming in a lockdown situation. Um, Obviously, like Ronnie said, you know, the horses have to be fed. uh, They have to be watered. Their stalls have to be cleaned. There are things that still have to be done, even in a lockdown situation. And it's all about how you prepare, and you heard Ronnie say it. You know, we've got a backup plan just in case.
1: All right, still lots left to come on this very important edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA. Renee Mancino is going to join us, also Barry Carter. And we'll hear from Barry in just a moment.
3: Hey, racing fans, we all know the ride begins well before the starting game. Stay warmed up around the clock at penhorseracing.com your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. racing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an
1: edge comes post time. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. and the Crop. Call one 800 Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike
3: Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun in wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at
1: pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com at southernoakstraining.com.
3: We're back in this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're joined now by veterinarian Barry Carter. Barry, uh, first off, you've got to be enjoying uh, Florida a little bit more than old Ohio, that's for sure. Uh,
5: it's beautiful. Actually, it's uh, like 82 degrees. So. But I'm working, so I'm uh, watching qualifiers in spring gardeners.
3: Barry, let's talk a little bit about uh, the coronavirus. Uh, Lots of scary uh, things going on, lots of uh, big things going on. How can horsemen kind of prepare for this, Uh, whether it be a horse care plan? uh, How can the horsemen get ready for a potential lockdown situation?
5: Well, I I think the biggest thing for them is prevention for them and employees.
3: And, you know, it's been well
5: spelled out by the states, particularly the state of Ohio. But, uh, you know, it's about... uh, Social distancing It's about doing all the things on an inanimate object so uh, that we're not uh, spreading the virus uh, amongst the other people. From the standpoint of the horses, you know, the horses aren't at risk. The COVID 19 is, uh, at this point, uh, people specific. Of course, they do get coronavirus, but it's a completely different form.
1: Mary? <clears throat> Well, it seems like we lost Barry, had a bad connection. We're going to uh, try to get him back here in uh, just a moment uh, as uh, we continue to talk about the coronavirus and how it is affecting the harness racing community. We're going to take a very quick timeout, and uh, we'll have uh, Barry Carter back on the other side of this commercial break. Stand by. Winback Farm of Ontario is proud to welcome four exciting new stallions for 2020. Jimmy Freight, the 2018 O'Brien Award winner, and the winner of the Dayton Pacing Derby at Mohawk Gold Cup. Nick Wicked, the 2018 Horse of the Year in US and Canada, the richest pacing stallion in harness racing history. Stag Party, the 2018 O'Brien Award winner, and the winner of the Metro Pace. And the Bank son of two millionaires, Donato Hannibal and Lantern Kronos, and a Breeders' Crown and Stanley Dancer champion. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Okay, and we're back here on Post Time with Mike. And, Mike, uh, once again, we're rejoined uh, by veterinarian Barry Carter. We were talking about the uh, coronavirus, its effects on horse racing. Barry, I don't really know how much uh, information you got out before you cut out. So if you want to start from the beginning uh, in your explanation about this virus. Yeah, it, it's
5: it's really no different than where the public health concerns with P policy, the social distancing, you know, the uh, cleaning of inanimate objects like pitchforks, muck buckets, those things, you know, just trying to prevent the spread between uh, the caretakers, the trainers, the owners, the people that are around. Uh, from the standpoint of the horses, the, the disease, the COVID-19 that we're dealing with is not a disease that affects horses. There is a coronavirus that affects horses that uh, causes a GI form, uh, of develop diarrhea and uh, can colic associated with it. It's a very moderate or mild form, typically not an issue with horses. So, You know, the only thing that horses are doing that can potentially serve as a a fomiter, as a carrier for the COVID-19. So it's about, you know, aseptic care. It's about doing whatever you can to make sure that it's not spread among people. You know, the public health concern for people is, uh, as you guys know, is a lot more important than what's going on with the horses. The horses are safe from the disease, aren't going to contract the disease. So uh, from the standpoint of of keeping the horses going, you know, I, I, the clients i have clients in florida that are looking to go and ship and start racing at state races and they you know they realize the writing's on the wall that we're probably not going to be racing state races in april and maybe even into may um, so they're just going to continue to train you know and treat the horses like they have but you know i think everybody's concern falls with it spreading them on the horse people you know I, I know two people that have died from corona and they're both horse people so that's the frightening mm-hmm. thing so far
1: why has it you know and I know you're a veterinarian and, and you know pardon me for uh, kind of stretching the area of expertise here but uh why in your opinion hasn't haven't we had a better kind of control of this as a nation?
5: Well I I think some states have done a pretty good job. We're talking about a virus that we identified 30 days ago basically in the United States. If you went back 30 days I don't think we had a positive case 30 days ago and now we've got what 7 or 8,000 positive cases. So uh, I don't know why we didn't identify it coming it's you know it's not uh, like the normal flu that we get. it is a mutation of an animal disease, and that is the problem. So if you get exposed to a uh, a virus that has a human uh, component to it comes human to human, we have some resistance or we've developed some. Now we're taking one that mutated from an animal to a human form, and we have no resistance. we've not seen that. Our body's not seen that, so you know that's why. We're talking about such pandemic, uh, you know, uh, proportions.
1: Barry, you talked about um, you talked about kind of uh, immunity. Um, How long do you think it will take for us as humans to develop some kind of immunity to this?
5: Well, I think some people will have a natural immunity, and I don't think anybody knows what the numbers are. You know, some people will develop mild forms; some people will be severely affected. You know, the, what's been described—the people that have some pre-existing condition will develop a severe form right off. You know, and um, to, to me, and I, I hate to even mention these numbers, but to me, it was frightening when I saw the numbers at the beginning of the week. You know, I—I wasn't ever nonchalant about it, but. You know, when I saw that before uh, we did the intervention, they projected 2.2 2 million people in the United States would die of the disease. Now, after we've done intervention, they project one million people. So those are frightening
3: numbers. You know, we've fought world wars and combined never had a million people die, so. Now, Barry, what should horsemen be doing right now to kind of prepare themselves um, for a potential lockdown situation? Uh, what kind of plans should they have in place And uh, what kind of information should they be kind of gathering together at this point?
5: Well, I I think it's, uh, again, about protecting, you know, the people that are involved in it. uh, The horses are going to do fine. We're going to treat the horses like normally. We're going to dog, train, do all those things. But they have to prevent the spread. And since it has such a long incubation period, we can't identify um, who's affected. You know, and you can't go test everybody in the world. Uh, to find out if they're affected and then quarantine. So you know, you need to you know, one thing nice about the horse situation we've usually got
1: certainly um visiting with Barry Carter veterinarian uh Barry um be, perhaps <clears throat> excuse me perhaps some good news <clears throat> today <clears throat> excuse me perhaps some good news today coming out of China uh zero cases actually yes yeah, I think that, there was, was five the I heard today. So, before
5: you know, and
1: uh and I was going to say uh, the, the, the cases in South Korea uh, for the first time are, are starting to decline as well.
5: Yeah, and those, those are all the positive things, and I hope that's you know the way that we are, uh, we are headed. Like I said, two different states. One state has been really diligent, and the other state has been less so. And you can
1: see the difference, even though the
5: population is a little different. You can see the number of cases in Florida are dramatically higher than the number of cases in Ohio.
1: Barry, how long do you think this thing could last? Uh,
5: I wish I could project that. I mean, if I gave a guess best, best estimate from race racehorse standpoint, I would be surprised that we're back to normal until in May. But uh, uh, China started well one October, and so now we're March and have uh, zero new cases for 20, 27 people.
1: All right. Is well, Renee very me, listen. Uh, no, we're going to have Renee coming up here in just a few minutes, and uh, uh, very interesting to see what uh, Renee has to say, and and uh, yeah, it's also yeah. very interesting, you know, and it's very interesting to see how different, you know, jurisdictions have handled it, and and, and that's the thing. I mean, that, that's the thing we all have to remember that you know, area. I mean, it's worse in some areas than it is others. I mean, it was just what yesterday or the day before that the state of West Virginia had their first known case. Yeah.
5: But I think part of it's, again, populist. And I saw this morning on the news in Florida, you know, they've closed all public beaches and they're showing spring breakers and full mass still on the beaches, you know, so that be, some of the people are getting it. And you know, I don't know what's going to happen here. I think Governor DeWine has it. So.
1: And, and, and before we let you go, and that's one of the, I think, one of the rare things. I think this, this fact makes the disease uh, or this virus really, really tough, is that most of the people that actually have it, I mean, a good number of people, never get symptomatic. Right.
5: That, that, that's a real concern. You know, here I am in Florida. I'm going to go home for a few days to work in office.
1: Uh, yeah, you were breaking up just a little bit, but but, but uh, go ahead, finish your thought. We got you.
5: I just uh, I don't know how to handle it. I'm going to self-quarantine before I go home.
1: All right. Well, Barry, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Uh, thanks for very, very uh, good insight, and uh, stay healthy, and we'll get through this thing. Happy to help anytime. All right. That was uh, Barry Carter, veterinarian, and uh, well, I'll tell you what, Mike, you uh, <laughs> You know, we're, we're we're talking about somebody that's been out in the field, that's been working. Uh, you know, somebody that has interacted with a lot of different people, and uh, you know, he's going to self quarantine when he when when he gets home. This is uh, it's amazing.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough situation for everybody involved, and lots of great information from the horseman standpoint as well, because you know the horsemen have to prepare for this. Um, that's the one thing I think, uh, you know, that is needs to not be ignored is, you know, the horsemen have to come up with a plan for their horses now. Um, because if there is a shutdown for whatever reason, uh, whether it be a lockdown situation, kind of like you have in San Francisco right now, where, you know, Uh you have the shelter in place, like Ronnie said earlier, you have to have some sort of plan to take care of your horses who still need fed, they still need water, they still need cared for, and, You know, the caretakers of our industry are doing a heck of a job uh, making sure that uh, everybody's cared for and, uh, you know, looked after.
1: Yeah, and no question about it. You know, we've got uh, got a couple of minutes. Uh, We're going to bring Renee in probably between 11.15 and 11.20, so that's going to give us a few minutes. To kind of repeat, if you kind of missed the beginning of the program, uh, this is a show that we're talking about basically coronavirus. That's what everybody else is talking about. It's kind of the elephant in the room. How does it affect the sport of harness racing? Obviously, it's having a big effect on uh, every aspect of our lives, Mike, and, and uh, you know, the sport of harness racing is a big aspect of our lives, so it's certainly uh, impacting that. We've had uh, certain tracks uh, that are going, uh, certain tracks that are racing without fans, certain tracks that have been completely shut down. Mike, you've kind of been... Uh, you're You're kind of in charge of this thing for the u s t a you've kind of been uh you know coordinating with the race tracks I know that that has to be a very tough uh job kind of keeping track of who's going and who's not, but you've got the list in front of me. I know we talked about this in the beginning of the show, but Mike, if you wanna uh kind of go ahead and repeat that for those of you for those uh, people that may have missed the beginning of the program.
3: Yeah, between myself and Wendy Ross, uh, we've been trying to make sure that we uh, that we take care of uh, making sure that we're coordinating with who's racing, who's not. Uh, if she sees something, or if our video guy Rich Johnson sees something, you know, everybody's been kind of communicating with each other. Again, Cal Expo, Miami Valley, Northfield Park, Rosecroft Raceway, and Saratoga Harness are all currently racing along with the Canadian tracks uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Rideau Carlton, and Western Fair. So currently eight tracks remain racing, none of which are allowing fans. That's a big, big note uh, here is none of which are allowing fans on track. Uh, And some of the tracks, Mike, are pulling some pretty big numbers. Uh, Western Fair did a 9.76 last night. I mean, an astronomical figure uh, for Western Fair. So you know it's uh, there and Rosecroft has the chance to potentially be on NBC Sports Network this weekend uh with TVG uh covering um some of the races during trackside live on NBC Sports Network from 4 to 8 p.m. Rosecroft Raceway is on TVG on TVG. so it'll be interesting to see uh if those guys get a little bit of extra play uh with the national spotlight.
1: And you know Mike and that's another thing that I was thinking uh you know I've always been one of the types of people that tries to look for silver linings that tries to turn negatives into positives. Uh Could this kind of be an in for harness racing a little bit with all these sports shut down?
3: Yeah. I mean, horse racing as a whole, this could be an in. Um I was reading earlier that the FanDuel betting app that was created uh, specifically for the triple crown to help new gamblers was number six on the iTunes app store um, for being downloaded. Um, and that is huge. Uh, people are looking for something to do. And, uh, this is a good spot for horse racing as long as it will continue to run. Um, you've got tracks like Gulfstream and Aqueduct and Rosecroft and Northfield and Miami Valley. And all these tracks still currently racing, even though they don't have fans available to them. Now it's the time to interact with those people and uh, get them to the track.
1: You know, Mike, we talked about, um, You know, we talked to to trainer Ron Burke about how he's kind of handling it with his operation. We talked to veterinarian Barry Carter, but you guys at the USTA have also had to, you know, kind of make changes because, you know, listen, in your office in Columbus, I mean, you guys have got a lot of people coming in and out of there. uh, And you guys at the USTA kind of had to adjust to this thing as well. What kind of precautions have have you guys uh, been taking to kind of prevent the spread?
3: Well, if you if you haven't uh, noticed, uh, on our USTA website, um, it says that the office is currently closed to visitors, uh-huh. and most of the employees are currently working at home to uh, create that social distancing that we talked about. Um, we've been doing a lot of conference calls um, to communicate with each other. Uh, you know, we'll do FaceTime uh, video uh, in certain situations. Um, so we're we're all trying to do or try to minimize the possibility of being infected uh, and spreading the virus at work. I mean we're at close quarters. If you've never been to the USTA offices, I mean we're we're in pretty pretty close quarters, and you know you don't want to accidentally spread it to one person or the other. And um, you know I, I joke about it a little bit, but I came home from Cal Expo and was sick. Uh, you know pretty sick there for a couple of days, and um, mm-hmm. you know spent my time at home and spent some time resting, but. You know, you never know when you're going to accidentally spread something like this. And so you just want to take that time and make sure you're social, social distancing six feet away from one another. And, uh, you know, the USTA has done a fantastic job of making sure that uh, making sure that we are safe and making sure that we're cared for.
1: Yeah, and uh, technology, by the way, technology has saved us. Yep, I mean, technology has allowed at least some sense of normalcy. Um, Not only in the sport of harness racing, Mike, but, you know, I mean, throughout the world as far as, uh, you know, staying busy and and able to stay at work.
3: Right. I mean, and to be quite honest with you, I mean, you know, you think about this for a minute. You're working at work every single day around people. I'm literally in the guest room of our uh, of our townhome here at home. And, you know, we start to miss human interaction. We miss each other. We miss some of the people that we're working with. But You know, the one thing that I'm super happy about is that you you wouldn't even be able to tell that anything is going on. Um, The USTA uh, has the ability to work from home. Um, You know, some of us work the newsroom from home. Some of us um, are able to answer phones from home. Uh, So that is a thing that just we haven't skipped a beat. We just keep on going. And I think that's, you know, that's been a big uh, that's been a big step
1: forward. No question about it. Not only, of course, is it expecting uh, not only is the coronavirus, um, you know, having its way with harness racing, so to speak. But, Mike, let's uh, and we got Renee coming up here in a few minutes. Mike, let's talk about the Derby being moved. Now, how now, how big is that? The Derby being moved to September.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, it's something that uh, I think was expected. Um, Churchill Downs was very remiss in saying that they would not race without fans. And, you know, it's the biggest day in Kentucky, uh, 150,000, 150,000 people. And, you know, I think it had to happen. Um, I'm interested to see how the rest of the schedule kind of shakes itself out. But it's one of those things that had to happen. And I'm anxious to see what kind of uh, stakes races from a harness racing standpoint are gonna get kind of shoved around because of all this uh, going on.
1: Yeah, no question about it. I mean, uh, it's just it, it's it's just a crazy situation, and and uh, we'll do uh, our best here, post time with Mike and Mike, to try to keep everybody abreast uh, on what's going on. We got Renee Mancino coming up, the O H H A executive director, and uh, we're gonna hear about uh, how the state of Ohio is handling the coronavirus. We've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA. Back in just a moment.
3: Are you interested in learning more about owning standard-bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard-bred? Owning a racehorse is a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8780. 82 Extension 5555.
1: 5, 5, 5. Jimmy Freight is new to Ontario in 2020. Jimmy Freight is the richest and fastest son of a sports rider and was the O'Brien three year old Colt Pacer of the Year and won multiple stakes at ages two, three, and four.
3: And Jimmy Freight turns on the Jimmy Jet by a
2: length and a half in 148 and 1. Jimmy Freight at 10 to 1 to win the Dayton. Pacey Derby.
1: He stands his first season in 2020. For booking information on Jimmy Freight, please visit winbackfarm.com. Limited shares available. Go to winbackfarm.com. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit winnerscircleracing.net. That's winnerscircleracing.net. Here
0: comes the charging moa, charging hard, at odds of 6 minute. one
3: We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, and talking about COVID-19, the coronavirus that has impacted the harness racing industry. Again, we are down to five tracks in the U.S., three in Canada that are still currently racing. Um, Last night, a decision was made to cancel racing at Flamborough, Fraser Downs, and Hastings Racecourse, uh, the thoroughbred track, up in calgary so lots of things uh being affected by the shutdown and uh you know mike it's um it's one of those things that uh you know we just got to kind of take it one day at a time and speaking of taking it one day at a time we now have the executive director of the ohio harness horsemen's association renee mancino renee uh lots of things going on in ohio but one thing that uh, has been a blessing is uh that we are still able to currently race here in the state of ohio
4: Yeah, that's true, guys. And I'm going to apologize because even as I'm listening to your feed, it's kind of um, breaking up. So I hope this is okay. If if it's not, let me know. I can call in on a different source. Still racing in Ohio, it is an hour-by-hour situation. There is no doubt. We are first and foremost concerned about the human participants. Um, I think that in this realm, we unfortunately had to cut our teeth on the EHV1 scenario, which was two years ago. So. You know, we're kind of approaching this in the same way under the same protocol that we would as if there were an equine, um, you know, contagious disease situation. So that's basically the approach we've taken all the way through. Um, as long as we can comply with the orders that are in place in Ohio, and I don't know, you know, Ohio's been one of the more restrictive jurisdictions as we've gone along, Um but we absolutely will act at all times in the best interest of the human participants. So, you know, if you do see Ohio go down, you know, that's why.
1: Renee, Mike Bozich here. Uh, Let's talk about, um, as we talked with Ron and as we talked with uh, Barry about uh, some of the precautions, some of the things uh, that horsemen and horsewomen can do uh, to kind of pitch in and uh, prevent the spread of the virus.
4: Well, I think everybody, you know, that's been watching any of the news channels has been well-versed in what to do for COVID-19. You know, stay, you know, social distancing is the buzzword that has been used in Ohio a lot. And, you know, you, you have to live your life as if you're, you know, somewhat removed from people. And I have to say my participants in Ohio have been absolutely fantastic at just being able to handle and do whatever it is that we've basically had to do to comply with these orders in place. And, you know, it's, it's not me keeping things going or my board or my employees who are stellar. It's my horsemen doing what they should be doing. And, and, you know, whether you're in racing or in the community, that's what we rely on is each other to do the things that are right to prevent the spread of this contagious disease. Um, so, you know, that's what it's all about now.
1: You know, Renee, and that's, uh, that leads right into my next question. Uh, obviously you're dealing with a lot of people, a lot of horsemen and horsewomen, uh, on a daily and weekly basis. What is, what's kind of been some of the reactions? What is, what's, uh, what's the mood? What's the morale kind of like through this thing so far?
4: I think generally speaking, you know, horse, horse racing and horsemen in general they're a microcosm of society so you see basically the same thing you know going on within our community that you see in society as a whole and one thing I will say though with the horseman's community even more so than the general community at large is they really rally around you know they really try to help each other they really try to you know do what's right for everybody else you know except for the five percent as I say you know I say in any any industry you've got the The 95% doing what they should be doing and and trying to, you know, adhere to the law and the rules and so on, and the 5% that you're never going to control, but you're going to spend, you know, 100% of your time trying to track down. So, you know, my 95% is my horseman's community that's out there doing everything they need to do, no different than if it were something that were impacting the agriculture or the equine side of things. So.
3: Renee, uh, obviously, uh, the horsemen, um, one of the big concerns is the care of the horses if racing shuts down. What can horsemen do right now um, to kind of maybe prepare themselves? I mean, we've had to deal with it here in Ohio where Governor DeWine has put in some pretty, pretty strict restrictions about uh, where we can go, what places of business are open and things of that short. How can horsemen prepare right now for a potential lockdown situation if it comes to that?
4: Well, I mean, I would like to at least tell people not to forget that Macau, one of the significant gaming jurisdictions that dealt with this first, was down for three weeks. So I would hope that would be the situation that we would be facing. you know, I think everybody can easily understand and know what to do with their horses in a responsible manner should that be what comes to pass for all of racing throughout the you know the world essentially um you know, we we proactively uh, weeks ago, when most everybody else shut down, we proactively retooled and our office is gearing up for the worst case scenario. That's just kind of the way we operate. Um, we try to stay ahead of the curve if we at all possibly can. Um, so we we had mobilized and and you know our whole office has been on the job and we are able to work remotely and still represent our horsemen. You know, we administer Horsemen's health insurance. You know, it's, it's a complete health care plan and uh, quite a few other benefits and products, and none of those services will go down. For horsemen, you know, we are able to work 100% remotely. Our services will still be there. The horsemen, from the perspective of, you know, the 5%, as I call them, that may not have prepared, if you will, for a catastrophe, um, you know, we've mobilized and, and started the, the thinking in the, in the past on potential benevolence. Um, we've been in contact, obviously, with our thoroughbred counterparts in our state. We're, we're pretty close with them. They have a benevolent fund. Uh, you know, we both, as a joint effort statewide, you know, because our horsemen are statewide. We only have one backstretch facility. Uh, we have a situation where you know we're going to do the best we can with our remote track representatives to try and get. Um, help to people if they need help if this goes longer than it should go Um, so just basically all the services that you would normally look at we're looking to continue uninterrupted and and try and take care of any emergent emergencies from that community
1: renee eventually uh, hopefully sooner rather than later this thing is going to uh, go away and peak and subside and things will slowly get back to normal what can harness racing take away from this
4: I think one thing that we're going to be able to look back on is, and say is, you know, as with most things, and I think society is going to do the same thing. You know, we do need, a, as I say, a 911 plan. You know, my track reps that are at the racetracks throughout the state or the fairs, they know if something comes up that they can't handle, it's a 911, and we have a protocol. Uh, we just kind of have always done that here in Ohio. Um, so yeah, when we hit 911 and you use 911, you put the prot- protocol in place for you know the the disaster relief, the you know potential disaster handling and and everything else that comes with it. And I think that in society as a whole, we're going to be looking to do that and and keep up to date on those kinds of things just as a regular routine part of life. I mean, I think as a society, we've all become pretty comfortable with the safe and you know pretty free environment that we've had. And, you know, I think that things like this change that.
1: Listen, so. Renee, we certainly, we, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck to you guys out in Ohio. And it's good to see the industry both on the harness and thoroughbred side kind of, kind of coming together and, and, uh, you know, dealing with this the best we can, but we are, we're going to get through it, Renee.
4: Yeah, I appreciate it guys. Good luck. And thank you for having me on.
1: All right, that was Renee Mancino, and uh, once again, some very good information there. Kind of got three different perspectives today from you know three different areas, Mike. And uh, Mike, I got to give you credit; you you kind of put this show together, and yeah, uh, you, you know, no, it wasn't you did. just me. And uh,
3: uh, Wendy, Wendy Ross was a big player in it too. Uh, she was you know big in helping me get the, some of the people and you know trying to figure out who who we were going to get to talk about this because. This is an important, important thing um, that I think the entire industry needs to hear, and um, you know, not just us, but you know, we depend on uh, at the USPA, we depend on our members. And if our members aren't racing, you know, who knows what will happen? So we just want to make sure that you know we're getting the message out there and getting the uh, getting the word out.
1: And three different. Uh, what 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 I really like, Mike, is you got three different viewpoints from three different important areas of the industry you know Renee kind of yep. with the management side of it uh, Barry from a, a veterinarian's point of view and of course Ron uh, you know Burke a guy that's got you know a million horses that he has to care for and uh, <laughs> right I mean it's you know it's a it's a it's a tough situation um, but I, I you know like I say I'm, a, I'm one of those people that always tries to look for silver linings um, you know listen we're gonna be getting some TV opportunities here coming up in the next couple of weeks we're going to you know, to try to fill the void of some of the sports like the NBA and NHL and, and other major sports that have canceled spring training, um, you know, uh, things of that sort. So we're going to be getting some TV play, we're going to be getting some exposure. Uh, and you know, once again, Mike, it just goes to prove that harness racing is amongst the toughest sport made up of some of the toughest people. In this yep. world, you know, because we're still racing for, for, for a lot of us are still racing. And, uh, you know, kudos to the horsemen and the horsewomen out there that are still entertaining us. We're in the entertainment business. You know, when when people turn on the channel, uh, you know, whether they go to the track or whether they go online or whether they watch us through TVG or whatever, our job is to entertain. Our job is to get your mind off of some of the serious things in life you know like yep. this coronavirus thing you know when when you watch a harness race mike we want you to forget about everything else that's going on in your life no matter how bad it is and we want to entertain you so hats off to the horsemen and the horsewomen that are keeping the show going on.
3: yeah that's for sure uh, thanks so much to everybody who's uh, continuing to do what they do best and uh you know, the tracks that are still allowing the uh, horsemen to continue to race because I tell you, Mike, it's, uh, it, it's a tough, tough situation. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where things kind of take us over the next week. Who knows when we, uh, when we have this program next week, you know, we may have some different, uh, different cancellations or whatever, but uh, we will do our best to keep everybody updated.
1: And at one of these shows, hopefully coming up in the near future, we're going to talk about tracks starting to open back up. And we're yes. going to start talking about stakes racing, going to start talking about some of the great two- and three-year-olds out there, some of the great horsemen and horsewomen out there. And uh, hopefully, Mike, sooner than later, we can get back to normal. Mike, the show closes running. Take us home.
3: Yeah, thanks so much to everybody who took time out to join us this week. We'll see everybody back here next Thursday with a first post of 1030. Have a great day, everybody.